So as we wrap up our series, uh, The Return of the King, uh, what's the first thing when you hear the word heaven, like what are some of the first things that come to mind? Like when you think of heaven, uh, you know, many of us, when we think of heaven, we, we only think of heaven when we're at a funeral. We only think of heaven um, when, when we're in a hospital or um, when someone gets really sick. But, you know, many of us imagine, you know, the, the comic book version of heaven, you know, of, of little uh, babies with wings um, and harps and clouds and things like that. I remember when I was a teenager and I was sitting at a church service and the pastor said that heaven would be an eternal church service. And I thought as a teenager, that sounds awful. Um, I, an eternal church service for, forever? Um, you know, but when we, when we think about heaven, many people, our picture of heaven, like what we imagine it to be, isn't really all that great. We'll read things in scripture that says, you know, the streets are paved with gold and, and that God is, is, is building a house with many rooms in it. We go, like, is that real? Is that, what is that gonna look like? You know, most movies, when they portray heaven, they portray it as this really peaceful place. But the same movies that portray heaven that way also portray hell as pretty fun. You know, and, and we think, is heaven, is heaven better? Or we'll, we'll say things like at a funeral, well, well they're, they're in a better place. But how do we know? Like, how, like, what is the better place? You know, or is the recent sitcom the good place? Like, what is the good place? See, many times we'll, we'll talk about heaven as like it's out there somewhere. Like it's in the clouds, like, like heaven's somewhere. And, and if you ask, if a child says to you, hey, where is heaven? You're like, it, it somewhere. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's the Bible says it's gonna to come to earth one day. What does that mean? I, I don't know. And for many of us then, it leaves us wondering, is it, is it really great? Or maybe you can relate to this and you might think heaven's like this. I hope heaven's nice. We kind of built it up down here, didn't we? <laughs> we compare everything to heaven. It's like, oh, try this pie, it's like heaven. <laughs> what if we got to heaven and they're like, no pie. <laughs> no pie? On earth, yeah, those people aren't coming up here. <laughs> West Virginia, you know, West Virginia, the state slogan of West Virginia is almost heaven, West Virginia, which sounds cool, but that's not like the best promotion for heaven. Because based on that, if I'm a good guy all my life, when I die, I'm going to a place a little bit better than West Virginia. So what is heaven like? Is heaven just a little bit better than West Virginia? I mean, I don't know if you've ever driven through West Virginia. Just a little bit better. And then we wonder too, you know, many of us think, you know, just like in that clip, well, if I'm a good person, like I'll end up in heaven. But do you? Do you wanna go to heaven? Like, is it better than the alternative? I mean, what about hell? What, what is hell like? See, most of the time, we, we spend very little time thinking about heaven and hell and the afterlife. And yet, the Bible talks a ton about it. The Bible gives really clear pictures uh, about what heaven, hell, and the afterlife are like. And you might wonder, does this even really matter? Like, I, I, this is Christmas, Josh. Like, we just had the kids here singing, like, why are we even talking about heaven, hell, and the afterlife? The reason this matters is because the way that we view heaven and hell and the afterlife affect how we live today. The way that we view heaven and hell affect how we pray. They affect the things that we ask from God. They affect how we handle the most difficult and painful moments of our lives. And make no mistake, Christmas is right around the corner. Some of you are about to have one of the most difficult days of your year. You're about to be with family. 
Some of you are about to have a conversation that you really wish you weren't going to have. And some of you, you're gonna sit around a table and you're gonna be reminded of pain and loss. And our view of heaven, hell, and the afterlife affects how we handle those moments. Randy Alcorn years ago wrote, I think the best book on heaven. He, called, he just called it Heaven. And it, it is a fantastic book. He wrote one for kids as well, called Heaven for Kids. But he says this, he says, Earth is a world touched by heaven and hell. Earth leads directly into heaven or hell, affording a choice between the two. I love this. The best of life on earth is a glimpse of heaven. And the worst of life is a glimpse of hell. The best of life, the best of life is a glimpse of heaven. And the worst of life is a glimpse of hell. I mean, think for a moment about that quote. What, what is the best of, of life? I mean, here are some things that I think are the best of life for me, like the best moments in life. Laughter around a table with friends and family. That's, that's a great moment, right? That's the best of life. Where you, where you sit around the table, you have great food, you know, great drink, and, and you're just, your stomach hurts from laughing. That's the best of life. The best of life for me is standing on top of a mountain with my snowboard. I love that. Like, that is the best of life for me. For some of you, you love camping. Like, you love being out there with the bugs and being eaten alive. That's the best of life for some of you. Here's another one for me. The smell and the feel of a clean baby. That's a great, that's a great best of life. A sunset over the ocean. Just the colors. See, all of us can think of the best of life. But when you think about the best of life, have you ever thought that's just a glimpse of heaven? Like that's just a, it's just a glimpse of what eternity will be like. But then what about the worst of life? I mean, if we're honest, we can think of the worst of life a whole lot faster, right? The worst of life, death, cancer, betrayal in relationships, war, COVID, unemployment, destruction, oppression. And as bad as we think the worst of life is, it's just a glimpse of hell. Just a glimpse. Just a glimpse of what eternity is like. See, scripture's really clear that heaven and hell are, are real places. And they're places we spend eternity in. See, and in the middle of Advent, the reason this connects so deeply to Advent is because Advent is the season of darkness that we are waiting for the light. Advent is the season where we, where we so deeply understand the glimpses of hell as we wait, as we long, as we yearn for Jesus to come. The people of God throughout the Old Testament longed for the Messiah to come for years, for 400 years in between the Old and New Testament. They waited in silence. I mean, imagine every time that you prayed, there was just nothing but silence from God. That is just a picture of the worst of life. And since Jesus returned to heaven, we wait for him to return back. Fleming Rutledge says this, that Advent is the season that when properly understood does not flinch from the darkness that stalks us all in this world. Advent begins in the dark and moves towards the light. See, Advent, as we think about heaven and hell, when we think about God's ultimate plan, Advent is this picture of our life is filled with aches and pains. Our life is filled with waiting. But Advent is this reminder that it does not last forever. It does not last forever. Forever. 
that that pain, that hurt, that betrayal, that destruction, that cancer, that sickness, it does not have the last word. But when we say that there is a promise and hope in heaven, what does that even mean? What does that even look like? If heaven is just a glimpse of the best of life, what does that even look like? And to get that, it, we're gonna look at the end of Daniel. Now, if you've been here in this series, we've been walking through the book of Daniel, which was an Old Testament prophet. He lived about 500 years uh, before Christ. Okay, so Daniel lived roughly 25, 2700 years ago, somewhere in there. And, and Daniel was, was a man who was, lived in the nation of Israel. He was part of the royal family of Israel and his family was destroyed. The Babylonian empire came in, they destroyed the nation of Israel. They took Daniel and all of his family, all the young men captive. They took him back into exile. He's a prisoner for years. He never made it home. Now, Daniel is, is a person who lived through the worst of life. Lived through suffering, lived through, lived through exile, watched all of his family just destroyed and killed. And yet, he still held to the hope that one day it would not be, that one day it would change. And yet, he died with not ever getting home. Now, at the end of Daniel, when he is in his, in his 80s, God sends an angel to him and gives him four visions that we've looked at in this series. Now, last week, just to set the context, this is so, so important, because in Daniel 10, you'll remember the theme, that the angel comes before he gives Daniel this vision of heaven and hell. He comes to him and he says, Daniel, you are loved by God, you are treasured by God, and you have been heard by God. Okay? Now, these are two of like our biggest heart cries as humans. Does God love me? Does God hear me? This is the heart cry of you as a child. Do my parents love me? Do my parents hear me? This is what we just cry out. And so the angel comes to Daniel before he gives him this vision. And he says, Daniel, you are loved by God and you are heard. Now, this is really important because when we think about heaven and hell in the afterlife, when we think about the judgment of God, we often have this fear about it. Even if you're a follower of Jesus, there's this sense of fear of like, of death, of what's gonna happen, what it will feel like, what will happen when I'm gone, what will, you know, what will God do with my family? There's this fear that kind of envelops the unknown of it. And the angel comes and says, before I give you this vision, I want you to know you're loved and you're heard. And so then when he gives him this vision, he starts by giving him this vision of hell on earth. The most detailed vision of what hell and the war that awaits those in hell the most detailed vision of scripture is found in Daniel 11. And what the, what the angel describes is this unbelievable corruption and destruction. He, he describes the, these different kings. There's four different kings. There's these kings from the north and the kings from the south. And, and they war with each other. They destroy each other's countries. They plunder. They take everything. And they never have enough. And no matter what happens, no matter who rises up, the rich get richer, the more corrupt get more things, and it seems like God does absolutely nothing. Now, this is a picture of the worst of life. And all throughout human history, here's one of the things that most people will continue to say, life just keeps getting worse. Life just keeps getting worse. And so the, the angel gives this vision to Daniel and he says, there are, there are people who are gonna come in and just destroy the temple of God, destroy the people of God. They're gonna take people slaves. And, he's gonna, and he tells them, people are gonna rise up. He says in verse 33 of 11, he says, those who have insight will rise up among the people to give understanding. So the people will rise up. There will be like a good group of people who will rise up to do the right thing. And yet, they will fall by the sword and flame and they will be captured and plundered for a time. 
And there's this sense of just hopelessness. Like, what do you mean that good people will rise up and do the right thing and, and they'll die? And this is just the picture of destruction. I mean, this is just, it's an incredibly dismal picture. And the angel stands there with Daniel. And then he says, because this is the question that, that I would have. Daniel asks, well, where, where's God in this? What's God doing while this happens? Why is God allowing this to happen? See, and this is the question that many of us have in, in the darkest moments of life. Where is God when I sat there in that hospital room? Where is God when I got that phone call? Where is God when, when my boss walked in and said, we have to let you go? Where's God in that moment? Where's God in that moment when my teenager walked out the door and slammed the door? Where's God in that moment when my parents said, we just can't stay together anymore? Where's God in that moment? Well, not on the scale of worldwide destruction, those are still the dark questions of the worst of life. Those are the dark questions of the worst of life. And Daniel says to the angel, Okay, if, if this war is happening, where, where is God? Why is God allowing that to happen? And then he tells him, he says in chapter 12, he says, at that time, Michael, the great prince, who stands watch over your people will rise up. There will be a time of distress such has never occurred since nations came into being until that time. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book of life will escape. So the... The angel comes and says, the people of God are, are in hardship. They're in, in the midst of war. People rise up to do the right thing, and, and they're destroyed. But what does God do? Verse 2, the angel tells him, many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and an eternal contempt. And those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, keep these words secret and seal the book until the end of time. Many will roam about and knowledge will increase. And so he says, in the midst of this, some will rise to the eternal life that awaits them and some will rise to the eternal contempt. But here's the message that the angel brings. God knew. God saw it. And even as God saw it, God allowed it to happen. See, and we've said this throughout this series, this is so, so important, that nothing happens, nothing in our world happens without God's direction or permission. Nothing in our world happens, nothing enters into your life that has not first passed through the hand of God. Now, here, here's what I would think if I was Daniel, if I'm sitting there going, yeah, but why is that a good plan? Like, I don't understand, why, why do good people suffer? I don't understand, God, why would you just allow that to happen? Why is it that you wouldn't stop that king from destroying that other king who then destroys that other king? And wait, there's a fourth king? How many times do we have to do this? And yet, this is exactly the questions that we have. Right, no matter, what, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, you're probably looking around our, our world and just going, how long do we have to do this? Every time we get older, every time somebody passes away, every time there's a loss that we experience, we wonder, how long do I have to do this? Every time there's a new tragedy that we see online and we think, how long do we have to do this? 
And these are the questions. These are the questions that happen in the dark places of our hearts. And the angel comes to Daniel to help him. Because remember, as we've seen in this series, the theme of this series is what? King and kingdom. The word king and kingdom is used 150 times in the book of Daniel, more than any other book of the, in the entire Bible. And what the writer of Daniel wants us to know is who is actually the king and who leads the kingdom. And so the angel comes and he gives this vision to Daniel. He says, these are the promises of God. This is important. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that God's promises bring hope and comfort because he's about to give him the promise of God. In the midst of this, in the midst of this, this vision of what's about to come, this midst of, uh, of seeing hell on earth, of getting this glimpse of like what hell in eternity can be like, the angel tells Daniel this promise of God. He says, but as for you, go on your way to the end and you will rest. And then you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance at the end of the days. He says, but as for you, go on your way. Notice, he doesn't say, but as for you, now I'm going to take you out of this and you're not going to experience it. No, he says, now for you, go on your way. Keep walking the path until you get to the end. And I'll be honest, for me, I would sit there and go, yeah, but am I going to have to live through that? <laughs> like, I would want to know that. And the angel says, and then you will find your rest. See, the amazing thing is one of the pictures that we have of heaven given in the book of Hebrews, the writers of Hebrews calls heaven the rest of God. The rest of God. Because there is this sense, I mean, let's just be honest, there is a sense of just tiredness and weariness to being a human. <laughs> There's a sense of exhaustion of, of just trying to continue to follow after God, trying to continue to do the right thing, trying to continue to live in the ways of God. There's an exhaustion to that. There's an exhaustion to faithfulness in relationships. And the writer of Hebrews, when, they wrote, when he wrote the book of Hebrews, he wrote it to a church that was experiencing incredible persecution. They all wanted to go underground. They all wanted to, to stop meeting out in public. They wanted, because every time they met in public, somebody died, they were arrested. So the writer of Hebrews says, no, 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 don't go, don't go underground with your faith. Stick with your faith, stay in the public, because you will one day find the rest of God. Now here's one of the pictures of heaven that, that is so easy to miss. Heaven, eternity with God, is this place of rest. Now how do, how do we, what is rest like? I mean, just imagine for a moment, you lay down to take a nap and no one comes in to interrupt you. For, for forever. <laughs> like no one interrupts you. No one comes, hey dad, hey mom, hey mom, hey, hey, can I play video games? Hey, can I watch YouTube? Hey, can I watch this? Hey, someone's on the phone. Hey, what are we eating? Hey. Right, no dogs bark? because they're going to listen. No cats will bother you because they're not going to be in heaven. <laughs> It'll be rest. If you don't believe me, if you've got a problem with the cat comment, you can email chris at communitycovenant.church. 
But imagine the rest. Do you know what else happens when you rest? I mean, just think about, think about a baby that's just resting. They feel safe. They feel secure. Heaven is this picture of safety and security in God. This place that you can lay down and go, it's gonna be okay. That's heaven. That's why the writer of Hebrews and the angel tells Daniel, you'll enter your rest. You'll enter your rest. And then you will rise and receive your allotted inheritance at the end of days. You will get everything that God has promised to you. Everything that God has waiting for you. But what is that? We're told at the end of Revelation what, what that inheritance is. Part of that is in Revelation 21.4, it says that he, speaking of Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That death will be no more. Grief, crying, pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. I mean, imagine this for a moment. No pretense. No clicks. No pretending anymore. No hidden agendas, no betrayals, no secret ambitions, no plots or schemes against you. No death, no crying, no hurt, no grief, no abuse, no abandonment, no betrayal, no more codependency in relationships, no more manipulation, no more isolation, no more greed or detachment, no more anxiety or fear or paranoia. No more escaping, no more running in relationships, no more passive aggressive comments. No more. That is heaven. See, and as Randy Alcorn said, that a glimpse of heaven is just the best of life. And so for us to get a picture of heaven, we don't have to look out in the clouds. We simply just close our eyes and imagine the best of life, the best places in life. And imagine what that would be like, what that moment would be like without any pain. Imagine the greatest moments in your life, the greatest meals in your life, and not worrying about burning it. The greatest meals without having a family fight. Imagine the greatest moments with no pain, no crying, no grief, no death. Imagine that favorite spot that you have on the mountains, at the ocean. It's perfect. Imagine that, that group of friends. Imagine life without body aches, playing sports without pulling a hamstring, right? Waking up and people say, hey, how did you sleep? And you don't have to say, man, I slept wrong. I can't move my neck. Imagine. Can you see it? That is what awaits the people of God. That's what the angel came to Daniel and said, Daniel, keep, keep running your race because you will rest and you will gain your inheritance. I mean, imagine that. That is the promise of God. That's the promise for the people of God. No more death. No more crying. But then the question is, how, how, do we, how do we get there? How do we run the race? Jesus told us this when he came to his disciples in John 14. He says, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. 
And so when Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, his disciples say, well, how do we get there? Like, I wanna go where you're preparing a place. I wanna go to that place. And Daniel says, how do I get to that place? And the angel says, keep, keep going. And Jesus says, follow after me. We enter into the presence of God. We enter into the rest of God through Jesus by embracing Jesus and what he has done for us. See, and this is what we remember every week when we do communion together. Every week we remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. Every week we come to the table and we remind ourselves of the body and the blood of Jesus. As we take it, we remember that Jesus rescued us. But we also do something else. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul tells us, he says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So every week when we come and we take communion, we're not just remembering what happened, but we're also preparing for the future feast in heaven. For that moment when heaven comes to earth. We're not gonna go, we're not gonna fly off somewhere. Heaven is coming to earth. And earth will be exactly as it was meant to be. I, I love, there's a, there's a pastor on Twitter that every week he posts a picture of just some amazing place, you know, like the Alps and some cabin out in the woods and just amazing food. And he always has this caption. And he says, join me in eternity when we can imagine this without sin. And just the everyday things, that's heaven. But it's those things that have now been glorified and made new. And that happens in that moment where Jesus wipes away every tear. But I, want us to, I don't want us to miss that moment. There's a great book I read last year called Prayer in the Night. It's by far the best book when it comes to just handling grief and lament. And the writer, uh, Tish Harrison Warren, has this great picture of what this verse in Revelation 21, when it says that Jesus will wipe away every tear. She has this great description that I want to use to set up our communion time. She says, redemption itself does not skip over the darkness, but demands that every last tear run. The image of God wiping away our tears could, of course, be a metaphor, a statement that all things will at last be well. But what if it is not strictly poetic language? What if in the face of our maker, we get one last chance to honor all the losses this life has brought. What if we can stand before God someday and hear our life stories told for the first time accurately and in their entirety with all the twists and turns and meetings we couldn't follow when we lived through them? What if the story includes all the darkness of suffering, all the wounds we've received and given to others, all the horror of capital D death, and we get to weep one last time with God himself. And what if we begin to live in a world where all things are made new, we weep with the one who alone is able to permanently wipe our tears? That is heaven. That is the rest of God. That is the inheritance that awaits those in Christ. That is what we remember and proclaim every time we come to the table for communion. So as we close, we're gonna sing a song together, we're gonna take communion together, but I wanna invite you just to take a moment 
I just want to ask you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to imagine the best of life. What does heaven look like? Imagine your spot, your family, your friends, without death, grief, hurt, and pain. That is the invitation that God has for us. So Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus so that all things can be made new. So that heaven can come to earth and that one day there is no more death, no more tears, no more grief, no more anxiety, no more fear, no more sadness, no more aching bodies, no more disease. And God, every week as we come to the table as your children, we remind ourselves that it is only through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that not only can we be made new, but that this world can be made new. And as we come to the table, just like Paul says, we proclaim Jesus' death and resurrection until he comes, until things are made new. And so we prepare ourselves for that. In your name, amen. Well, as we close this series, we're gonna close by taking communion together. And this is a chance that I said for us as followers of Jesus to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done but also as we prepare for what Jesus will do. And so you can come down these aisles here. There's gluten-free um, bread at each table. And then when you get back to your seat, just stay standing as we're gonna sing together a song that, that's new to some of you, but many of you will probably know just about heaven. We're gonna sing about what heaven is gonna be like, what the presence of God will be like.